very much, Josh. Thank you very much. That was, um, that was very nice. Thank you all uh, for being here. This is my first time um, to this group. And um, I'd like to really thank you for uh, making me feel welcome. I'd also like to thank Ryan Holden for inviting me. Uh, you know, I got a, an email from Ryan Holden and uh, uh, inviting me to speak here to this group called Iron Men. And I have a son-in-law named Ryan Bickerstaff who competes in World Ironman Championships. Actually, two, less than two weeks ago, I was in Kona, Hawaii, cheering him on in the World Ironman Championship. So when I got the email from Ryan Holden, I just skimmed it very quickly. I thought my son-in-law was inviting me to another event. <laughs> and um, I am really regretting not having read it more thoroughly and not having prepared any remarks for this morning. So my apologies. <laughs> Uh, in addition to, to those uh, very kind remarks Josh made, I'll just give you a couple uh, additional background uh, th things about my background. Uh, yes, I know Kim Loptrup is an unusual name. Uh, the, my parents were immigrants from Denmark, and they had just gotten to the United States. They weren't sure if they were going to stay or go back. And they had this son, and they uh, wanted to choose a name that would make sense regardless of which country they decided to settle in. And unfortunately, they had not been in the United States long enough to realize that the name Kim Lopdrup for a boy did not meet that criteria. So uh, also, I, I became a Christian when I was uh, 17 years old. Um, I had grown up in a, um, frankly, a, a somewhat dead Presbyterian church as, as a child where it preached sort of a, a social gospel never really read the Bible, uh, and then we were going on vacation in Denmark uh, one, one year, and a little boy said, you need to bring your Bible, which seemed odd because I never read it, and my mother said, now nah, we're overweight, don't take that. And then one day I was uh, bored on my grandfather's farm, had absolutely nothing to do, and so I decided I would read the Bible, and uh, I, I pulled it out, and I systematically looked at which of the Gospels was shortest, therefore chose Mark, and started reading Mark and went uh, straight through Romans by the time, by the time we got home. And uh, first week back in uh, the United States, the little voice again said, you need to go to church this Sunday. And I'd never gone on my own. My, par my parents would typically go every other week. They weren't going that week. So I actually went on my own for the first time ever. And the, uh, the minister, uh, this was a different Presbyterian church at this point because we had moved. The minister basically said, uh, I got a level with your congregation. Um, I've, uh, uh, I've been having these, these heart problems, and uh, it was so, having to take this medication for it, and it was so severe I was going to have to leave the ministry. But I had gone to uh, get this other church. People prayed for me, and uh, I've been healed for a year. My heart hasn't missed a beat since. I'm off the medication. I've been having uh, prayer services here in your very proper Presbyterian church um, and uh, been seeing some amazing things. And there was a lady who had actually, her terminal lung cancer had disappeared without explanation. And, and when I saw her stand up, uh, all the little things I'd been reading kind of clicked and I said, wow, this is real. And, and I distinctly remember I thought the words, uh, it, it wasn't an altar call, but I, but I understood you know, salvation by grace. And I said the words or thought the words to myself, Wow, what a great deal. <laughs> um, 
but uh, that, that, that's the moment I, um, I, I believe everything came together for me and I, I became a Christian. I actually found my calling um, at InterVarsity Christian Fellowship's uh, Urbana Conference in, uh, I think it was 1979. I was at the College of William & Mary and they had a, a terrific group called uh, InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. <laughs> And every three years, they had this World Missions Conference. They got, I mean, Billy Graham, lots of big-name speakers to come speak at it. And a whole lot of people who go to that wind up becoming, uh, becoming missionaries. And I was terrified that God would call me to be a missionary, which I didn't really want to do, and I wasn't even really good at languages. And, uh, but I kind of said, well, if God called me to do that, I'd, I'd actually have to do that. And I wrestled and prayed through a lot of things and uh, actually towards the end of it I got this very distinct leading that um, actually God was calling me to be a missionary but not overseas in other countries and in the conventional way but to be a missionary in the business world and in fact um, there was a great need because Society likes to paint Christians as intellectual lightweights so they don't have to take the Bible seriously, right? And I said, there's actually a great need to be, to live as a credible Christian in the real world and be, actually make it kind of tough to dismiss that there actually is a whole lot of reasons to, to believe uh, the Bible is accurate. And uh, um, so, so I clearly came away with that, that very strong conviction and have been blessed to have uh, a wonderful career with some great companies that included uh, Procter & Gamble, Dunkin' Donuts, Burger King, Darden Restaurants, and, and, then, and then Red Lobster. Um, now, certainly the most valuable book I've read along the way is the Bible, but the second most valuable book I've read is Rick Warren's The Purpose Driven Life. And uh, that was an absolutely fascinating book when I read it. And, and just for context, when I read it, was you remember that, that period where there were all these corporate scandals, you know, with, with Enron and WorldCom and uh, HealthSouth and Global Crossings and Adelphia Communications and company after company was having major scandals and, and it uh, had huge impacts on the business. And by the way, the retirement savings of the employees, the reputations of employees. Um, so I read the book right after that period of time. And I remember reading um, uh, some research that 60% of employees would fudge the accounting if ordered to do so by their boss. Staggering. Think about that. 60% of employees said they would fudge the accounting if ordered to do so by their boss. Just shows you how moldable people are, how important a corporate culture is. And by having a high integrity, caring, culture in a business, uh, you can actually have a huge impact on a whole bunch of people and, and really change um, the trajectory of their lives. Um, I actually um, believe I'm, I've had the opportunity to do that today. That's one of the things that makes me so excited about, about Red Lobster. Um, it was created by, was founded by um, some, some really wonderful, godly people like Bill Darden. Uh, Joe Lee was a, Charlie Woodsby, Bill, Joe Lee was a 
very strong Christian who really did more than anybody to build the company. Uh, by the way, he used to go um, motorcycle riding with Truett Cathy. They were, they were friends. Um, but uh, so I didn't create a great culture there, but I found a great culture and something really worth preserving and growing and making sure it would stand the test of time. Um, I'm uh, blessed. I got a great family. Um, um, I, I um, actually was widowed, so I'm married for the second time. Uh, my first wife died of uh, died of brain cancer at age at age 39, and uh, so I was then a single parent for a year with three three children, um, and uh, fortunately had some great help from my parents and church and 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 others to to get through that period. Uh, happily remarried to my uh, second wife. Uh, by the way, both have been named Kathy, which is. Uh, not, not even once have I called my second wife by the wrong name. So that, <laughs> um, and, and we've got four wonderful children, three of whom are out of the house, uh, one of whom is still at, at home. Uh, you know, in ministry, I've had uh, uh, the opportunity to be uh, president of Harvard Business School Christian Fellowship. I've been an elder of a couple churches. Um, and... Uh, uh, also, have been very active in Boys and Girls Club of Central Florida for 12 years. That is a terrific organization, and um, and I'm 60 years old. So I was asked to speak on the topic of healthy connections and choices, which is actually a great topic because I'm I'm actually a bit of a health nut. I I, I uh, have been for a lot of years. Uh, when I was when I was very young, didn't know how to cook. I was kind of living on budget gourmets and feeling lousy all the time. Um, and uh, then I read this book called Eat to Win and started learning about nutrition and what a difference that can make in your energy level and your health level. I started feeling better. And um, I got this, uh, this idea of starting a healthy fast food chain. Uh, you know, from, I was at Procter & Gamble at the time, was reading all this research about consumers saying they wanted to eat healthier. And I knew that all the restaurants out there were serving some pretty lousy food. And I remember pr uh, praying, God, I feel like you want me to start a healthy restaurant. If, uh, if you want me to do this, though, you have to make it happen. Because I shouldn't be living here in Cincinnati. It should be like Boston, where I went to business school. People would like it more there. Uh, and I had, had an entrepreneurial management professor at, at, at Harvard who said, if you're going to start a business, make sure you work for um, another business in that field first, a really well-run one, and you know, learn on their nickel, and then go do, go do your own thing when, when you, can, uh, you have some experience. And uh, I prayed, well, that's this idea of a healthy restaurant, God, I feel like it's from you, but if... Uh, you want me to do it, you've got to make these other things happen because I'm living in Cincinnati right now and i got no restaurant experience. The next day, I, I got a recruiter call uh, for this opportunity at Dunkin' Donuts. Now, I know you're saying Dunkin' Donuts is not a health food restaurant. <laughs> but it was, it did meet uh, my professor's, my entrepreneurial management professor's criteria of being a very well-managed company, actually extraordinary financial results, a very well-managed, medium-sized company in the field I was thinking of getting into. So I decided to look into it with the objective of learning the business and then going and starting my healthy restaurant chain. 
So uh, I ended up liking the people, joined. Uh, but all this time, I was thinking, I'm going to start a healthy restaurant. And, uh, you know, a couple of people stole my idea along the way and went Chapter 11 in, in the process. Uh, it turns out that people, first of all, a lot of people say in research they want to eat healthy, but in reality, they won't trade off taste, like, at all. Uh, and then people also dine in groups. And even while some people want a purist choice, people usually end up compromising where somebody can get the you know, healthy salad if they want it and somebody else can get the greasy hamburger if they want it. Um, so uh, um, anyway, I, I have not yet started a healthy restaurant, but uh, I'm happy to say I'm uh, see, you know, have become CEO of a seafood restaurant, which was named Healthy S Chain Restaurant by the editor of Men's Health, thanks to some, uh, some uh, uh, changes we were able to make. So I feel like I've at least lived, lived the spirit of that. One other thing I've had a remarkable opportunity to do was attend the, uh, the Human Performance Institute here in Orlando twice. That, that's a group down in Lake Nona that trains Olympic athletes. And they've had 18 of their students go on to be number one in the world at their sport. And a number of years ago, they, they started training corporate executives as well on the theory that it's, you know, a career is kind of like a marathon. You know, it's, it's just, it's, it's really long. <laughs> you have to keep your energy up. But uh, learned some things from that that were extraordinarily helpful. And I'll, I'll share a few of them with you in, in a couple minutes. But let me come back again. The topic is healthy connections and choices. And let me just start by asking the questions. Well, we're, we're all Christians. Why does, why does health matter? And the answer is our, our bodies are the, are the temple of the Holy Spirit. God has called each of us to do certain things that he wants us to accomplish here on earth. And we can only do that if we have a healthy body and, you know, are, are able to, um, to, to be here and function well and take care of, um, uh, do, do the things that God wants us to do. Now, even if we do everything right, though, the reality is all of us are eventually going to die in this, in this body and, and uh, uh, for those who are Christians, go on to eternal life. Uh, it might be at a ripe old age, like my father who lived till 91, it might be at a young age, like my first wife who died at age 39. Uh, but, uh, you know, we have some influence over that. Uh, you know, 1 Timothy 4.8 says uh, physical training has some value, you know, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both this present life and this thing to come. So as I'm uh, defining health, I'm going to uh, define it as things that benefit us in this life and the next, and I'm also going to note that, uh, you know, often people think we'll talk about physical health, mental health. We just heard about some of the veteran situation. Mental health is very important, right? Physical health, mental health, and spiritual health as all being very important and key parts of, of staying healthy. Now, the fascinating thing is that those three are very much interconnected. And typically, something that makes us healthier on any of those three, physical, mental, or spiritual, actually has positive impacts on the others as well. Anything that makes us worse off in one of the three 
very often will hurt in the other areas of life as well. Uh, it's interesting in John 10.10, Jesus said, I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. Um, and if we, I think we'll find uh, by the time we get done uh, talking today, that, uh, that if we look at the things that God calls us to do in the Bible, um, a lot of times people say, oh, that's, you know, you know they're just trying to do it because of some moral, moral reason. But in fact, those very things actually make us healthier physically and mentally and spiritually uh, by following the guidance um, in, in the Bible. So let me just talk about some research on, I mean, let's, let's just talk about scientific research, you know, what the medical community says about what causes us to, to be healthier, what causes us to, to live longer. And uh, uh, there's some things that you've heard about, there may be some things you might not have heard about. And I'm gonna start with the, the obvious stuff. But uh, you know, one factor is genetics. Uh, all of us are born with different sets of genes. Some of us are more predisposed to some things than others. Um, and we don't get to choose our genes, but that's certainly a factor. Uh, I'll talk in a minute, though, about when, when we know things we're genetically at risk of, we can certainly be more vigilant about those things, and often there actually are things we can do to fend off those risk areas. But, but there's a whole bunch of things that we absolutely can control. Um, you know, some of, the, some of the things I'm sure you've heard a million times, you know, uh, avoid tobacco, avoid drugs, avoid excessive alcohol. Uh, you know, not smoking alone is worth 13 years of life expectancy. It's, it's, it's absolutely huge. You've, I'm sure, heard people say, eat healthy. You've, you've probably heard, you know, the Mediterranean diet lets people in Southern Europe live much longer than they should by all rights, given all the other unhealthy habits they have. But this uh, remarkable diet they've got um, really, really helps um, a lot, you know, with lots of uh, fresh fish and fruit and vegetables, nuts, whole grains, olive oil, red wine in moderation, very healthy diet. Japanese also have a very healthy diet and, um, again, lots of seafood, but, but they, they, they have very long life expectancies in Japan despite the fact so many of them smoke. It's actually <laughs> remarkable. Uh, You've heard, you've heard say, well, you know, take, you know, after you eat healthy, brush your teeth and use floss. Um, I tell you a fascinating thing. Did you know that people who have gum disease have a 10 year shorter life expectancy than people who do not? 10 years. And the reason for that is that most chronic diseases, including heart disease, cancer, even Alzheimer's, arthritis, hair loss, are all caused to a great degree by chronic inflammation. And gum disease is a source of, of inflammation. So, you know, your, your dentist is right. You know, take, taking good care of your, your, your teeth and your, your gums um, actually makes a, a surprisingly profound difference. You, you've heard people talk about exercising, which uh, typically can add about three years of life expectancy. Um, and, uh, you know, I, most of my life tried to go running every morning. Uh, it does not happen every morning, to be clear, but I, but I have, whatever I've done, I've done it over many years. And, uh, you know, when I, uh, it, it, getting the blood flow 
flowing. It helps people think more clearly. It helps protect, protect them cognitively. Um, it uh, has just really huge benefits in, in health and life expectancy. By the way, when I was in Kona less than two weeks ago, the most amazing thing is I saw an 86-year-old man cross the finish line and set the record for oldest man ever to finish an Ironman competition. Now again, Ironman, that's a 2.4-mile swim, a 112-mile bicycle race, followed by a full 26.2-mile marathon. To qualify, you have to do it. There's a 17-hour cutoff. My son-in-law made it in just under 10 hours, which was, was his goal. And this, everybody was following this 86-year-old man and, and tracking, is he going to make it? Is he going to make it? And uh, with about four miles left to go, it did not look like he was going to make it. He absolutely was not, not on pace. Uh, and he really had to pick, pick up the pace over those last four miles. But he did. And he, he made it with five minutes to spare, setting the world record for oldest man ever to finish a uh, uh, an Ironman. By the way, he began competing in Ironmans at age 69. So, the, uh, you know, but even moderate exercise, I'm not, I, to be honest, I question whether that kind of extreme exercise is actually healthy, um, you know, but, uh, but, but even moderate exercise, you know, 30 minutes, three times a week makes a, a, a big difference. Now, you've probably already heard most of that stuff, but, but there's some, actually some really big areas you might not have heard about. Uh, getting married and staying married. Did you know that married people have a 10-year longer life expectancy than people who, who are not married? 10 years. And, uh, you know, Ecclesiastes 4.9 says, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other get up. You know, marriage creates this sense of responsibility and accountability, uh, you know, and, and frankly, it can help with other habits. You know, if you've got someone in the house to be accountable to, um, it's, it's easy, easier to avoid some things that are just not good ideas. Um, and, and no wonder Mark 10.9 says, therefore, what God has joined together, let no man separate. Uh, Somewhat related to that, did you know that people who are socially connected, people with strong social connections, live 10 years longer than people who do not? 10 years. Um, did you know that they have a markedly lower risk of Alzheimer's disease? People with strong social connections, markedly lower risk of Alzheimer's disease. Now, of course, one of the best ways to stay socially connected is with church, small groups, uh, groups exactly like this. You know, you're all making social connections here. That's a huge benefit to you. By the way, a huge benefit to the people you're connecting with because you're helping, helping them as well. As a small aside, there's actually even a benefit to owning pets, they found out, especially dogs, since that forces you to... Uh, uh, get out and go for a walk and uh, and you know particularly for older people you know needing companionship it's, it's surprising a somebody with a um, who's living alone so, so not otherwise having the social connections if they have a dog they have a 33 percent lower risk of mortality than if they did not have a pet 
another area, um, avoiding chronic negative stress. Um, you know, now to be clear, there are good kinds of stress. You know, setting a goal and you know working towards achieving something big uh, that requires exertion is stressful. But that's actually been shown to be good for you. That helps you. That helps you grow. Um, people when they're trying to get in shape, that's stressful. But that actually helps you grow. What's not good is chronic negative stress, like worrying about death, fighting with your spouse. Um, secret sins that make people feel guilty or afraid of getting caught, um, lack of forgiveness that can uh, you know just keep eating people up, being a pessimist, uh, always thinking everything is going to go wrong, uh, which you could argue is actually the definition of of um, lack of faith. Uh, but but those kind of that kind of chronic negative stress has a has a, a marked impact on health and life expectancy being happy happy people live 10 years longer than people who are not and um, it's it's interesting what does it take to be happy uh, it's interesting um, my experience has been that happy people are those who live consistently with their values People who are not happy are often not happy because they're, um, you know, they're they're doing a job that they do to make a lot of money, but they actually don't think what they're doing makes the world a better place, or, or you know, things like that, where they're living a double life. Uh, and and uh, you know, I've met so many, unfortunately, so many people, particularly on Wall Street, who appear to have everything going for them, but you can tell they are absolutely miserable. Being happy. Um, is, um, is worth 10 years of life, and that's worth a lot more than uh, selfish pleasure or power or fame or, or monetary gain. So with, with some of that as, as background, I'm going to give you a little prescription there uh, for, for a successful, happy, healthy, well-connected life. Um, there, there are 10 things that, that um, uh, many of which I'm sure you're doing, uh, but, but there might be a couple things. But uh, First, accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and be part of a church family, and be part of this group or you know, and, and groups like it. That gives us peace in this life, gives us eternal life, gives us support during times of trouble. There are many, many benefits that contribute to um, a healthier this life as well as next life. Two, cultivating a strong marriage. Now, don't, if those of you who are married, that means uh, focusing on your, your current marriage. Those who are not, I'm certainly an advocate of making sure you're getting married to the right person. <laughs> but, um, you know, the benefits of, 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 a, of, of, of a good marriage, uh, again, makes you happy, provides connection, provides support provides uh, accountability to avoid risky or wrong behaviors. Um, and as, to create a good marriage, I mean, that, that's on many levels. I mean, at the most basic level, of course, that includes things like providing for spouse's security, you know, food, home, um, things like that. Uh, if it, but very importantly, it includes providing the emotional, for the emotional needs of, of one's spouse. Uh, love, in particular, self-esteem, making our spouses feel important, are of 
huge importance to uh, a successful marriage. Uh, developing mutual friends and interests, um, the highest of which is likely going to end up, end up being children. And uh, uh, now, to be clear, in any marriage, there, is, there are always going to be challenges. That happens in every marriage. It's happened in, in mine. Uh, but, uh, you know, you work through it. If you ever need counseling, there's some great Christian counselors out there, and there's no shame. I, you know, my, I and my wife have gone to a wonderful Christian counselor sometimes, um, and, um, and they can really help. But uh, happy marriage is a, is a really, really important thing. Uh, third, cultivate friendships with people who make you a better person. Uh, now, we, I, I underline with people who make you a better person because we've all probably known people who may not be the best influence on others, but you need to, you need to have some people in your life who have a positive influence on you. And I, I get the strong sense that this group actually provides a lot of that, where you feel accountable to each other and you cheer each other on in your walks. Um, and uh, that, that's terrific. That's absolutely terrific because that, again, will help make... Uh, you happy, will provide connection, will provide support. Um, some of the best friendships I've made in my life have been through church small groups, you know, where you get couples together. And uh, we've made a number of, of lifelong friends through small groups. Uh, can also be volunteering at charities or clubs, community service, mentoring relationships, and, and so on. Uh, number four would be reading Rick Warren's book, The, the Purpose Driven Life, and be clear on what God has called you to do. I guarantee he's wired each of you up with special gifts and given you opportunities that are different than every other person in the world. And um, if you find out what that purpose is and stay focused on pursuing it, uh, you are going to be happy it's going to strengthen your will to live. It will, be, it will make you more resilient in the face of adversity. Uh, it'll give you the drive to overcome the inevitable challenges that, that all of us find in our lives. Uh, one of, uh, here's where I'm so fortunate um, in that I have a job that aligns just extraordinarily well with the things that um, I feel God called me to do, and that um, uh, you know that that I think make the world a better place. I talked earlier about you know I'm a health you know very health conscious, and get an opportunity to sell a product that you know Harvard School of Public Health said seafood's likely the most important food one can consume for good health. The former editor of Men's Health actually named his healthiest chain restaurant, but not just that. What you know, when you go into our restaurants, you probably just see people eating around a table. What I see are marriages and friendships being made stronger. Um, because it's a relaxing environment, an unpretentious environment where people can be themselves. They're not worried about, oh no, did I use the right fork? Oh no, did I order the right wine? They can be themselves, open up for, and form deeper relationships. And that's what I see happening around our tables, marriages and, and uh, friendships being made stronger. Uh, you probably see some people waiting on, on your, you know, working, waiting on your tables. What I see 
are people who were not born with a silver spoon in their mouth. I've met thousands of our employees. I've yet to find even one that grew up in a rich family. Not even one out of 55 that I've met out of many thousands of our employees. What I see are, are good people who we carefully selected because they actually care about whether you're having a good meal or not, uh, who are building great careers that they might not otherwise have. And we, we certainly see some people go on to achieve extraordinary, extraordinary careers and success. Um, you know, I get excited about our business because we actually get a chance to impact the sustainability of the oceans. You know, we never, never talked about it much, but Joe Lee actually worked with the United Nations to write the Law of the Sea Treaty, you know, formed a, a bunch of um, uh, industry organizations. Uh, recently, um, this past January, we got to announce we're now where 100% of our seafood is traceable sustainably sourced and responsibly sourced, 100%, nobody, nobody else with any scale can do that. And it's, it's fun and rewarding to be able to have an opportunity to do things that just align with what I'm passionate about. And uh, so I don't really have to, I don't really have to work. I, I, I get to go do stuff I enjoy every day. Uh, number, prescription number five, um, and you knew I'd put this in here, but eat healthy. And what I learned at Human Performance Institute is um, that how you eat healthy is eat nutrient-dense foods. A lot of people think, oh, I'll, I'll just skip a meal so I don't get calories. Bad idea, really bad idea. Uh, what you want to do is eat nutrient-dense foods because most of us get these cravings because most of us are malnourished. We actually live in a country where most people are malnourished, and then they get cravings because the body's saying, I need more of something. But then people eat junk food with empty calories, and, um, and uh, then they become overweight, but they're still malnourished because they were eating the wrong things. The, what, what happens if we eat nutrient-dense foods with a low glycemic index, avoid uh, you need to avoid the simple sugars that spike your, your blood sugar. Um, uh, and, and actually, actually, that's really important. That's one thing I learned from the Human Performance Institute. You want to keep your blood sugar as flat as possible throughout the day because um, if, you know, most people eat sugar and then their, their blood sugar spikes up, but then it crashes and and sometimes people go long periods without eating, but then your body says, I don't know when I'm gonna get the next meal, so I better store fat. I, you know, so what you wanna do is eat nutrient-dense foods every three hours. O only eat small portions, only enough to get through the next three hours and eat again. Avoid sugars, avoid flour, avoid you know, simple carbs, because that creates these spikes. Um, and if you, if you stay with just, you know, what, what I said, where, where it's nutrient-dense foods, so you avoid these cravings because now you're well-nourished, but you keep your blood sugar flat, you will not get tired. You will not yawn. You will not weigh as much. Uh, it, is, it really works. And I learned that from the Human Performance Institute, and it's striking. Um, what a difference it makes. Now, in eating nutrient-dense foods, 
you know, I, I talked earlier about the Mediterranean diet. That's awesome. Uh, you want foods with lots of omega-3 fatty acids, which are in seafood, which is in olive oil, which is in almonds. It, that's heart healthy. It's brain healthy. Uh, pregnant women who eat um, food high in omega-3s actually have babies born with IQs four points higher. Um, you'll, you'll actually feel better. And if you feel better, you'll be nicer to other people. And if you're nicer to other people, they'll be nicer to you. Uh, you'll perform better at work. Um, you'll, you will be able to resist temptation better. Uh, it is, it is, it's remarkable what a difference it makes. But, but eat nutrient-dense foods with a low glycemic index every three hours in small portions. Um, well, I, I, I admit I usually have just one, but I... <laughs> um, six, uh, avoid dumb stuff, uh, and this is the, the, the stuff you know about, smoking, drugs, excessive alcohol. But I'll tell you a few other dumb, dumb things that I, I just don't do, um, so I will eat one biscuit, but um, I don't put dressing on my salad. Did you know that salad dressing is the number one source of fat in the average American's diet? So I just got used to not putting dressing on my salad, and I don't miss it, you know, at all. Uh, minimize red, red meat. Um, minimize fried foods. You know, fried foods like french fries are just terrible. Um, minimize soft drinks, both the sugary kind, which are terrible, or the kind with aspartame, which is even worse. Avoid soft drinks. So I you know, used to be in businesses that sold a lot of red meat, fried food, and soft drinks. Um, frankly, I felt lousy all the time because that's what I was eating. And it's, um, um, you, you do well to minimize those. Uh, seven is exercise. Um, a lot of people say, what's the best exercise? Honestly, it's whatever you'll actually do. You know, some people like swimming, some people like running, some people like tennis. It's whatever you're, you'll actually do. Um, I like running in the morning. You know, I, I, I can do it when I get out of bed. I don't have to find a partner to go running and doesn't require a lot of special equipment. Um, I can make it short or long depending on what kind of time I have available. That's what works for me. Uh, but, but do whatever works for you. Uh, eight, avoid chronic negative stress. Again, positive stress is okay where you're, you're, you know, you're actually embracing a big opportunity or trying to get in shape for something. That's, that's, all, that's all fine. But, but the chronic negative stress uh, can really be a problem. For some reason, I'm just wired up where uh, it drives me crazy to owe money to somebody. So I like just from early in life said, I'm just not going to be in debt. <laughs> and I, for me, that was huge um, in, in avoiding stress. Uh, and if you talked earlier about the importance of a good marriage, money problems are a, uh, one of the very leading causes of why marriages break up. So uh, avoiding debt is, is uh, really important on, uh, on many levels. Having a job you hate can cause chronic negative stress. If you're doing something you're, you really hate, 
I'd encourage you to try to figure out something that uh, aligns with the, your purpose that God called you to. You know, we, we, we control what we can control and uh, ask God to um, take care of the rest, but I would say um, we can control how much we save. We can control whether we, we get into debt. Um, and by the way, uh, you, you need to save. The reason you need to save is because if you do everything else I just have been talking about, you're going to live a long time, so you're going to need the, that savings for retirement. So, uh, so, so save up. By the way, investing. Um, you know, a lot of people, I've certainly had a lot of people call me over the years trying to get me to invest in one thing or another. Um, sometimes I've invested in some things that have turned out really well. Sometimes I've invested in some things that have turned out really badly. One thing I have noticed, if somebody's trying really hard to sell me something, that's probably something I don't want to invest in. I'm serious. Because that means somebody's trying to make a big commission because the product they have is actually not very good. Uh, for most people, honestly, uh, by the way, most in, in the, stock, the stock market's a great way to, to save and invest. The trouble is that while the stock market's gone up 10% a year uh, historically, or you know, 8 to 10% a year historically, uh, over the long term and is probably the best possible place for your money, the average small investor has only earned a 2% return. Why? Because they buy and sell at the wrong times. During, you know, oh no, the stocks have gone down, I, I better sell. Oh no, they've gone up and I better buy more. It, generally, we need to be doing the opposite. Uh, so, you, and here's the other thing, the interesting thing. Did you know that 90% 90, 90 of professional money managers, the guys with supercomputers and access to all the research in the world, 90% of them underperform the market because they incur these big fees, they buy and sell at the, at the, at the wrong time. It's been proven that the best way to invest is just uh, keep your costs low and stay invested, like buy a Vanguard, uh, total stock market index fund. It will beat um, more than 90% of professional investors. Is almost, and the, the embedded fees are almost zero. Don't try to time the market. Nobody can do that. Just stay invested over the long term, um, and you will, you, you will beat more than 90% of professional managers, and you won't have to spend any time on, on it. Um, nine, listen to your doctor and dentist. I have a phenomenal doctor, uh, Jason Littleton's his name, um, who, who I, I love. He's, uh, he's so proactive. I once uh, woke up with a pain in my eye and I contacted him and uh, he, it was on a Saturday, he actually got me an appointment with the head of ophthalmology at Orlando Regional Health in one hour on a Saturday and then went and met me at, at, the, <laughs> at the doctor's office. Um, and, and fortunately, it was only a, I, I think I'd somehow scratched my cornea while sleeping on a, on a hard pillow. Uh, but I'll tell you something amazing he did. Uh, he was looking at my family history. We talked earlier about genetics. He noticed my father had prostate cancer. Uh, so he said, need to make, Kim, need to make sure we check you out for that. And I did not have elevated PSA. Uh, 
but he, he did a, a manual check and said, look, you have a very slightly asymmetrical prostate, probably ought to go check this out. Went and checked it out, went through several rounds of tests, and lo and behold, I had a extraordinarily small, extraordinarily early stage prostate cancer, slow growing, and uh, fortunately, the best doctor in the world, with the best published results in the world for that, practices here in Orlando at Celebration Healthcare. His name is Vipul Patel. He does surgery with a Da Vinci robot, takes about an hour and a quarter, so I got that out. Uh, at, uh, at, I, it was so tiny, such a tiny bit of my prostate, and caught it before anything bad could happen, and I'm almost certainly cured. Uh, but had he not been so strategic about it and so proactive about it, I mean, that could have been there for years and eventually become a problem, and frankly, I was on track to be like my father. Uh, by the way, my father did not die of prostate cancer, he, you know, but he did have to have certainly far more uh, difficult intervention than I had to have because his, his was not caught as early. So have a great doctor. I'm, I'm uh, really grateful to Dr. J. Um, and uh, there, there absolutely is a role for good doctors. And, and then number 10, um, can't help myself. Eat at Red Lobster, please. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, health, healthy food, relaxing experience, strengthens marriage and friendships. And by the way, it's way less expensive than marriage counseling and more fun. Uh, so as you do these things, one thing's really important is to develop daily habits. Because uh, a lot of, 90% of what we do in life we don't even think about. It's, it's, really just, it's really just habits. And it's important to develop this foundation of healthy habits um, that will usually happen even when we're on autopilot. You know, in, in my, you know, so it, it, what's a good idea is waking up early, which all of you did this morning, ideally at the same time every day, so your body gets used to waking up at the same time. Starting the day with a quiet time, you know, Bible reading and prayer, get in some exercise early. I know, at least for me, if it doesn't happen early, not likely to happen later. And it also saves the time of showering twice. Um, have a healthy breakfast. You know, I eat the same thing almost every day. It's a habit. But I, I get this Ezekiel uh, 316 cereal made with sprouted grains. Actually, it's um, a biblical recipe, but it's incredibly healthy. You know, Greek yogurt, small orange juice, coffee. Uh, did you know coffee is the number one source of antioxidants in the average American's diet? It's actually very healthy. Um, natural, I take some natural nutritional supplements. But again, you gotta eat every three hours. So have a, a mid-morning snack, like almonds or something like that. For lunch, I have the same thing every day. It's, uh, it's basically a Greek salad in a wrap, you know, with 100% extra virgin olive oil. You know, have a mid-afternoon snack. Have a small dinner. You, know, you definitely, you wanna have larger meals earlier in the day, small later in the day. Have some time with the family. Uh, and we should get to bed early. I admit I'm not good at that. Um, I'll tell you the one other thing I have a habit of that's uh, a little unusual. I just move really fast all day. You know, I, I walk quickly. Uh, I'll sometimes take stairs instead of elevators. 
Um, but I just move really fast uh, all day. And that's actually a way of getting exercise in a way that saves time versus taking time. You know, if you take 30 minutes for a run, that's 30 minutes out of your day. But if you just move quickly, you're actually creating time in your day and getting exercise. So uh, that's one of my quirks, but I actually find it helpful. And I think weekly habits also um, uh, are important, you know, whether it be a date night and your wife, planning time with your wife, scheduling vacation with your wife. Now, to, now to create habits, you, gotta, you actually got to schedule them because typically you got to do something for 30 straight days before it becomes a habit. So it's work for 30 days. Once you're through that, it becomes natural and it's no longer, um, it's, it's no longer work. Uh, now, recognize life happens. There's going to be interruptions to any schedule. Not every, you're not going to be able to do everything exactly the same every day. But if at least you have a default habit you can, you can go back to, it will usually go right, uh, even if not always. Uh, Last thing, um, last habit. Uh, I once listened to a course called Happy, Healthy, and Terrific by a guy named Ed Foreman. And Ed's theory was that every day you have a choice whether to make that a good day or a bad day. Just like reading a restaurant menu, we're going to choose to make it a good day or choose to make it a bad day. Now, we can't always choose what's going to happen to us every day. But we can always choose how we respond. And Ed's recommendation, it sounds a little corny, but his recommendation is no matter how you're feeling that day when somebody says, hi, how are you? Respond, he always responds, terrific, with a, I mean, in a really enthusiastic way. And you know what? I started doing that. And it really works. Well, it changes how you're, you're thinking about the day. It changes how you perceive things. It changes how people respond to you. And by the way, that response is 100% true because every day is a precious gift. We've got a God who loves us. We've got, a, we've got a God who promised us eternal life. We've got a God who promised to work for our good in all things. Romans 8.28, by the way, says... Uh, we know in all things God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. Uh, I used to just read Romans 8.28. I got to add Romans 8.29, though, because it, it's actually an important connection here. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be firstborn among many brothers and sisters. So God is working for our good. Now, priority one, when he says good, priority one, though, it's clear from Romans 8, 29, is to conform us to Christ's image, to make us more like Christ. Sometimes that may take things that may be a little challenging, um, but even when, that, even when that does happen, it's because it's, it's for our good. But he has blessed us in so many ways um, and by the way, that verse I, I find really helpful because um, uh, even when something appears to go wrong, God's working for good. Look for the opportunity. There's so often I've found opportunities in situations that appeared to be problems. 
but God made that happen. Look for the opportunity. And even if um, it's not exactly what you wanted, uh, my experience has been that a few years later you can look back and see why God, God made that, allowed that situation to happen. Uh, but, but regardless of the occasional challenges, uh, we live in, uh, we are blessed to have life. We're blessed to be God's children. We are blessed to live in the greatest country in the world. Uh, we are blessed to be in a place where we're free to pursue our dreams. Um, you know, some people, um, I'll tell you just a fascinating thing. You know, we, we have, a, a, been in a lot of third world countries um, doing business over the years. We have it so extraordinarily well here. It is truly unbelievable. According to uh, globalrichlist.com, which is, has data from Oxfam, did you know that the, a person who earns minimum wage in the United States, $7.25 an hour or a little over $15,000 a year, that person is in the top 8% in income worldwide. Did you know that somebody, those of you who earn over $32,400, you're a top 1%er worldwide. You're in the top 1% if you earn over $32,400 a year. So truly, we are extraordinarily blessed, extraordinarily blessed. Um, so. Um, I, I believe I'm 100% truthful every day when somebody says, how are you? And I say, terrific. It's true. It is, it is true. And that helps me keep in a positive frame of mind. And uh, I would encourage you all to do the same. So thank you very much for your attention. Uh, guys, give it up for us. Uh, okay.